What is up, good people? Welcome to the Gas and Go podcast, your favorite stop for fun interviews, race breakdowns, and so much more. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. This week's episode is going to be mostly focused on our special guest. I think it's in our best interest to have a professional voice be the star of this one. We don't need ours to get in the way, and that is because the special guest voice this week is Alan Bestwick. That is right. Former NASCAR play-by-play man for ESPN, TNT, NBC Sports, one of the most distinguished voices in NASCAR, a fan favorite, and now the play-by-play band for the new SRX series on CBS coming this summer. This one was awesome. This was like actually really, really cool. I mean, Alan Bestwick is just a good dude, really excited uh guy with brings a lot of energy and passion for racing um really excited for everyone to hear this interview it's coming up right after stage one and of course we'll get into some other stuff like we usually do we'll, we'll talk some paint schemes here at the beginning get into the race we've got the whole crew here to do it it's also coda week baby circuit of the americas and two fifths of the gas and go crew are going to be on the ground for us taking it all in live and in person bringing you all of the action through social media so stay tuned for that let's get everyone in to discuss it all and as always let's start like we do every week with our gas man papa bear dave dave a lot of talk about the monster mile this weekend where does that rank on track nicknames for you, like the paperclip, the lady in black, the tricky triangle, the last great Coliseum. Where's the monster mile on that group? And that's a great question. And uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's very recognizable, right? Um, it's a little goofy, but it's well-played. Uh, it's it's gotta be top three, right? I mean, it's, you don't think about Dover without thinking about the monster mile. Top three nickname for possibly a bottom three track. Yeah. Did I mean, that's, you did know, I say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not wrong. Yeah. No, I mean, Dover's, Dover's been fun at times, but yeah, it's, it's had some challenges of, of late, but we'll get into that. I, I don't think more. we'll be going on their podcast anytime soon, huh? <laughs> no. All right. Next up, we got our analytics guru, Ryan Rhino. Rhino, you are one of the gas and go guys ready to spend the weekend in Austin. What are you most looking forward to? I think the best part about being at a track is just be able to watch the cars take their lines in and you're not relying on the TV cameras to really give you the full picture. So we're just going to be able to see cars zipping by in turn 12. That's where we'll be all weekend. So if you're there, uh, apparently a ton of people are going to be there. So turn 12, me and the Jackman living it up. Row 15 one day, row 16 the next day. We'll get into a little trouble there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We will not get into any trouble at all. We'll come back safely. Hey, good trouble. Uh, all right, well, let's let's speaking of the Jack man, let's bring him in. Dylon, 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 and Dylon Dill. You're the other half of the Bash Brothers. That's going to be in Austin. Same question, man. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, no, I'm pumped for it. Um, this is wildly enough going to be my first NASCAR race I've been to, and I, it feels weird being a road course, but I'm excited for it. I'm just excited to like feel the cars, kind of take in everything that everyone talks about. I'm excited to just like have a few beers in the stands too. It's going to feel great to be just sitting in the sun all day. I'm pumped for it. Breaking news. Dill is attending his first NASCAR race at an F1 track. We're not going to hold it against him. Oh yeah. 
Should be fun though. Uh, and yeah, very jealous of, and excited for you guys at the same time. So have fun. Um, all right, let's get in uh, our eyes in the sky here. Spotter cons. Cons, fan favorite of the show, Daniel Suarez made a spotter change this weekend. Were you considered in the shakeup? Yeah, I, I threw my name into the hat there. Um, but that, I pulled it right back out though. I decided I am committed to this podcast. You know, I had a, a brief stint away uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with you guys. So uh, no other spotter, you know, jobs I will be taking. <laughs> all right. Good to know. Appreciate the commitment. Uh, what do you got for me this week, Papa Bear? All right, Garrett. You know we're well taken care of by our guys over at RacingUSA.com. But if you were to pick one current Cup Series sponsor to jump on board, uh, who would you pick? And why? Jump on board the uh, podcast? The Gas and Go podcast. Um, current sponsor. That's going to be a tough one because there's no like, there's no like good wrench out there anymore that, you know, I guess Hooters, you know, good Ooh, food. Ooh, that's a times. solid pull. <laughs> that was solid. I had some, I actually didn't have Hooters top of mind. Well done. Love those fried pickles, man. Got yeah. Got to get around for all of us here. Fried pickles and wings. Can't beat that, baby. It was, a, it was the first question I've ever asked you where HendrickCars.com.com was potentially an appropriate answer. Trucks for the gang, but Hooters works. No, we got to we got to get a, a live studio built at our local Hooters and start recording there. That That's the goal. Next stop, the moon. Next stop, the moon, baby. All right, well, let's get uh, on with the show and get into talk some paint schemes. But first, Dave, why don't you tell us it keeps the gas and go boys fueled? Thanks, brother. As I mentioned, this Gas & Go podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise for more than 20 years, and home to guaranteed lowest pre-order prices, automatic discounts in your cart, and free upgrades to expedited shipping. All right, thanks, Dave. Let's get after it. Dill, play us in. Okay, we are switching it up again this week. We're going to stick with the new order. Stage one is our bumper sticker awards segment. This is where we give out awards for our favorite paint schemes of the week. And from now on, we're going to change up how we do the order. It's not going to be random at my discretion. The order is going to be how our predictions from the week before shook out. So this week, it was it was no contest on this one. We know he's picking first, and that is Ryan because he picked the race winner, Alex Bowman. Ryan, congrats! Congrats. Anyone brother. else have any uh, HMS drivers, or was that just me? <laughs> just you, man. Stage mm. is, and the stage is yours. Who gets your yep. paint scheme award for the week? Well, I'm glad I'm going first. I was a little worried this might have got taken. I'm going with the 37 Ryan Priest, our guy in the English muffin Thomas car. I see some see some angry faces over there, but. I think this one knocked it out of the park. He's had a couple that have been meh on. I know he's Dave's guy, you know, with the Natter days. But the Thomas uh, English Muffins, I'm a brioche guy on the weekend. I'm a brioche guy, but a nice English muffin. The nooks and crannies are always good, too. Great car. Great scheme. Love the back uh, panel. There's one English muffin with butter, one with cream cheese. They did a great job It's tough to combine a car that highlights the nooks and crannies of a Thomas's English muffin and actually looks like a race car. In the orange and white, it looked genuinely like a race car that just had some awesome English toasted English muffins on the side. 
Good pick, Ryan. I also just love seeing Thomas English muffins out there. I mean, what a fantastic sponsor to be in the sport. Like, it just, you know, I don't know. Something about that made me really happy. So, all around great car. Kroger Isle 2 paying some bills there, too. But, yeah, it's a great sponsorship. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to throw away my uh, animosity towards Ryan Priest, but it kind of looked like a home, like an old Tony Stewart Home Depot car, too. It had that, that like nice orange, so it caught my eye. Yeah, that's a good one, Ryan. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, next on the race order prediction finish was Dill. <laughs> oh, yeah, always number two. Um, all right, there were a few good ones this week, but the one specifically that really caught my eye, uh, and it caught my eye a couple different times, was that number 47, Bush's Best Beans car. I mean, there's so many different pieces we could get into on this car. First of all, just the different splashes of color all over the place on the side. It's got so much going on, but the bean with all of like the sun rays coming out around it, it's just fantastic. I love just a little silhouette of a bean. The baby blue is a really nice touch as well. Love that baby blue. And just seeing Bush's Beans, another great sponsor. I mean, two for two on these first two cars. So Ricky yeah. Stenhouse, 47 car, gets my bumper sticker of the, of the week. Two for two on my first two picks. <laughs> That's a fantastic slogan they have there. That the beautiful bean company. And they underline yep. beautiful, so you know. They underline beautiful, yep. <laughs> it is a beautiful looking bean. We've had some good Bush's bean moments at, uh, at Bristol before cons. Oh, yeah, that was a good time with those Bush's, Bush's baked. Our, our friends from Canada. Brought him down, made us eat him cold. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, Bush's beans are like a really big deal in Canada. So we were tailgating next to these Canadians, and they were like, "You guys have Bush's beans?" We're like, yeah, it's like just kind of like normal down here. <laughs> they eat them cold. Oh yeah, they were like eating them <laughs> that day. Out they of can. Like yeah, I once took a can of Bush's beans camping and did not bring a can opener, so proceeded to use a rock. <laughs> bust open the can of Bush's beans. I tell you what I wasn't do is packing those things out. They were getting consumed. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can get in. And quite were- the come up for the dirty cars. I mean, they were, you know, killed on Twitter last week with the Tide car, and now they're going 1 1 and 1 2 off the board. That's a big move up. All right. Well, let's keep it moving here. Connor, you're up next. Uh, yes, my top two were taken, so I'm going to go with my number three, and that's going to be the number three in the Huck Fishing Austin Dillon. Very, very nicely done. The color looked perfect. White siding, the blue. I don't know what kind of a graphic design was on that blue, uh, but it looked really nice. It was a nice looking color, and the white was kind of like netting. Uh, paint scheme there or, or paint there looks very very nice i think those are fish scales on the on the white there. oh look at yeah. that yes, they yeah. Are. yeah that was a good one that was going to be my pick uh very very nice blue i like that one look just looked kind of like oceany and and summery and fishing yeah. and yeah that was a good one have I you heard of this it. huck fishing brand before uh Not once. crew chief Not ever. i have heard of huck fishing brand before i i personally don't wear huck I, I wear columbia most of the time but huck is uh is a sort of competitor in that space would you I'm be a columbia to guy huck, huck well. if they came on the pod i would wear huck if they sponsored the pod okay every so day they're, they're in the ballpark of being okay okay little, little cleanup here it's unlikely that they come on the pod because it's hook i know that because i was going to pick that car as well. So I Googled, how do you pronounce H-U-K fishing? It's hook. That makes some professional bass fishermen telling us it's hook. 
that's actually where my opening question to you was generated, Garrett, because I'm thinking that's got to be part of the Bass Pro package. Dylan's getting a bunch of hook gear. That's a pretty nice sponsor. Anyway, good and, choice, and I'm, just, I'm just noticing this now, too. The U is a hook. It's is a, a hook. hook. Wow. Oh, man, they, they, they did it right. Full circle here. The things you learn on this podcast, it's just, just beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Dave. That was a journey for all of us. <laughs> Get us out of this hook nightmare. <laughs> this is the first time I've had to go back to the well because my top three cars were taken one, two, and three. Um, fortunately, there were several good ones this week. So give me that number eight Caterpillar uh, Chevrolet of Tyler Reddick. Cat Linkage Pins was the specific sponsor. Um, it just looked really good. Uh, black and yellow with like a classic looking Caterpillar logo on the front. I mean, I think Cat's logo just kind of is classic, but red numbers look great yep agree that was my that was going to be my backup pick uh because hook was taken i agree very nice black a sort of main black there with the cat which is like you said classic nascar sponsor so got a bit of a graphic on the side that i could do without him that's more up dill's alley i could do with just kind of the black and yellow but still well done all right i gotta clean up here man you guys uh you guys took a lot off the board for me i have to go last this week because i had kyle bush who finished last out of our group but I'm going to go with former Gas and Go guest, OKG himself, Corey LaJoy in the Dryden number seven. A very nice, like, white primary with faded into, like, a nice dark red. Um, the seven always looks nice on that one. Uh, Dryden logo is pretty nice. Um, it looked good. I like white cars, and, and that one has a nice, you know, mix of white and red. And Spire Motorsports does the contingency stickers on their car still so like well done like it's old school nascar paint scheme so i always love that it's not just it's not just be nice like they're getting paid for it well yeah but they, yeah, but they do it different anyway. than everybody else yeah no other okay. team does that I, pound for pound i think Corey lajoy's cars are up there with quinn Hauf as far as race performance to uh you know car design they're they're up there well i mean if you look at the point standings lately, uh, Corey LaJoy is only one spot ahead of our boy, Quinn Alf. So, <laughs> Oi. Alf's had some good runs. You don't hold that against the Halfster. Come on now. Oh, it's more of a statement on Corey than the Halfster. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. Yep. Um, all right. Any honorable mentions we got to uh, talk about? All my favorites are gone. I'll just say that I kind of wish Eric Almarola had been in a Pit Boss Grills car this week seeing as he caught it on fire it would have been very appropriate yeah that would have been nice that's a good one i don't know if this was the last time as well but it might just be a better angle on the bubble car that front hood is shaped like their fry container so are you serious from the roof come onto the bit of the hood did we i didn't see that aspect of it last I time said i said it on this podcast look good i didn't notice that either <laughs> Ryan, your, your mic must have been off. What you yeah, you know, Ryan, I don't know what you were looking at last time, but I like that. I like that, that hood. Lot. I like that little tiny part right there. Did you know that the U in hook is a fishing hook? <laughs> we're in the weeds here. Gary, let's oh, move man. on to my honorable mention, which is every single week, and that is Mr. Kyle Bush in his new paint scheme because he has one every single week. And now let's get in to the paint scheme uh, flavor that he had there, and that is the M&M's Classic Mix. Now, this mix is their regular milk chocolate. It's the pe regular peanut and a peanut butter M&M, and it's all just mixed in there randomly together. You just put your hand in there, whatever you get is what you get. 
And I'm going to have to say it was very underwhelming. I, I, I was expecting more out of it. It just tasted like peanut M&Ms. Like the peanut butter didn't stand out at all. And the, the milk chocolate, they're so much smaller than the right than the peanut butter and the peanut M&Ms. They all just sink to the bottom. So you don't even get any of those. So it's interesting. That's my review there. All right. <laughs> but the car looks great. <laughs> the car looks great as always. Okay, good to good to know on the the mix bag. I, so I thought it was like the mix, the the actual M M&M and M was going to be mixed with different. Yeah, I, I I too. Me, I, I thought so as well. But <laughs> nope, just just a regular M M&M, and M, a peanut M M&M, and M, and a peanut butter M M&M. and M. Oh, it's also worth right. noting that the bag you just showed us is like a sharing size of all three rolls in one. And I will, I will eat them all. Let me be clear. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> I'm saying you just bought three bags of M&Ms. But That's in one true. I could have made this myself. That's beautiful. A I think it's getting a bit of a bad rap here. That's all I'm saying. Well, Dave, you'll, you'll be next week to try out right. the uh, flavor of the week. I Fair will enough. say that this, this week, I, I'm going to rank it above last week's because I think if I ate last week's, I probably would have um, had some serious stomach pain. So since we've been doing this, the classic mix is ranked number one. And the 1999 bag is ranked number two. <laughs> right. I wonder if anything will ever uh, lose to that 1999 bag. I really <laughs> hope he does the fudge Snickers uh, <laughs> car next week. I want that one. Oh, man. Yep. All right. This is going to be fun. We got a lot of races left to talk about <laughs> M&M's reviews. So <laughs> the things you learn on this podcast, I'll say it again. Uh, all right. Real quick, guys, while we're in the paint scheme seg- section, uh, breaking news. Well, not really breaking. It's been like literally brought up every week for the last five weeks i feel like adam stern our buddy mentioned that the report that nascar commissioned to figure out if ad value was higher on the door uh for potential sponsors came back and said that yes there is extra value for moving the number and putting sponsor space there on the door so i want to throw it around real quick we don't need to go too deep this is like the most debated subject ever on twitter but I don't care about the numbers. I just need to know the person who got paid to do this report because all they said was the logo is going to be bigger and you can make more money off of a bigger logo. Congratulations, that data analyst. I salute you. I want to be you. You are my hero. <laughs> that, that, that seemed like a con job there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they were uh, the true winners of this whole report. Yeah. Anybody have strong feelings either way? I, I'll give you mine, but uh, look, I no, I don't have strong feelings either way, but are we trusting NASCAR's data that supports a move that NASCAR wants to make? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh. I mean, I, I think the data pans out. I mean, I think it's obvious. The, the most the part of the car you see the most during a race is the, the number, right? On TV. On the hood. I mean, on the on the roof. Yeah. All right. I, I, so I'm okay is- with it because it gets us closer to having underglow on every car in every race. And that's the ultimate goal here. That was the Is coolest thing the all-star race last year. Just give me that. <laughs> the, the all-star paint schemes were lacking. And maybe it was just like the amount of time they had to do them. And I also think the number should go forward. I've seen the, some of the mock-ups online. The number forward looks much better than the number pushed back. So we'll see. We'll see what they give, give them. Give with. the teams the option. Put it wherever you want. Whatever makes the sponsor happy is what will make us happy, I guess. They're going to standardize it. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. They should, but you know, this is I don't NASCAR. I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy, but I mean NASCAR, you they're the stock cars used to look like cars. And I feel like we're moving further and further away from these things looking like anything you could ever see on the road. No one has ever uh, said I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy and not been the get off my lawn guy. <laughs> oh, I, I know I am that. 
but it doesn't okay. mean I'm happy about it. <laughs> I think that the next gen cars are starting to look more like the, the street version of those cars. Right. And then you put, you know, then you put, you move the numbers back, which gives like a weird perspective to the vehicle in and of itself. And you yeah. put one lug nut on it. And all of a sudden it's not something I could service at my local shell station. Yeah. Yeah. I like my, my number on my car, definitely a little more centered. <laughs> <laughs> although the, the toyota camry will never look like the street version <laughs> uh ryan you want to tv up here do we have any social media shout outs this week crew chief oh man ryan thanks for bringing that up we actually do we only have a couple um we have jane at jane waldrop liked the kyle weatherman paint scheme in the xfinity series and tyler reddick's cat scheme in cup and then Kenny Hunt at Hunt8897 liked uh, AA Anthony Alfredo's speedy cash car with some nice uh, neon green and red flames coming off the back of that thing. Looking speedy cash fast. Um, Give Kenny credit, man. We, we gave him a hard time for picking Chase every week, and he's pivoted. Yeah, I mean, he did say Chase first. Well, right. But, uh... <laughs> but, yeah. It's at least giving us something to read. Yeah, I skipped that part. Um, all right, well, let's let's get, let's bring in Alan Bestwick here. All right, this 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 podcast needs a professional voice, and we've got one of the best ever uh, on our show this week. Alan Bestwick, like I mentioned, this one was a lot of fun. Just a really insightful guy. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and as always, we'll see you on the other side. Three laps to go. Over a hundred thousand on hand here in Charlotte today. All on their feet, trying to see how the drama of the final plays out gas and go nation it's my pleasure to welcome the new play-by-play man for the superstar racing experience and really so much more than that as well to the gas and go podcast mr alan bestwick alan how have you been uh great busy um happy just uh just you know coming out of the other side of this pandemic and seeing a finish line in sight and really really pleased about it yeah, I, I, yeah, I bet. I, I think we're all on that boat. Um, but I, I want to start with with where you're at today, which is Indianapolis, mm-hmm. the Indy 500. You're stepping in for Bob Jenkins to do the PA for the 500. Uh, are, are you looking forward to it? Are, do you have nerves? Well, a, a, a small course correction on that um, okay. <laughs> is about a, a year and a half ago, uh, after Roger Penske bought the Speedway, um, one of the guys that's in, in, in his Penske entertainment organizations is a gentleman who used to be the vice president of motorsports at ESPN. And he called me up and he said, Hey, we're, we're stepping up the in-house presentation. We want to really, and you saw all the money they put into the video boards and all that kind of thing. How, you know, what are you doing in May? (laughs) And he wouldn't have asked me that question if he didn't already know the answer, my, my passion for the 500 and the speedway and so on. And, um, and so this was supposed to happen a year ago with Bob oh, on, okay. on, as, as a teammate as a team. Okay. And then, and then, you know, no fans and all the rest, they kind of put some of the plans uh, back a year till it made sense. And, uh, and it makes sense now. Um, so this has actually been something that's, that's been in the works for over a year and um, nervous. No, Um you know, I've spent a lot of time in that pagoda at the Speedway over a lot of years. Yeah. Um, uh, between the Brickyard 400 and the Indianapolis 500, uh, a little different role, yeah, but still a, a great team, a lot of familiar faces. Um, you know, you park your car in the same place. The hotels, uh, you know, like the the ESPN hotel is about two buildings down that way <laughs> from where the one that the Speedway has me at. So, 
uh, not nervous at all. Disappointed that Bob and I won't get the chance to be teammates this year. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, of all of the years, we've worked in a lot of the same places. We've been in a lot of the same places, but we've never worked together. Huh. So disappointed, but um, but wishing him nothing but the best and and um, and hoping the next year we'll we'll finally get the chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I forgot about the whole, you know, the last year, everyone sort of erased it from their minds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Uh, so going in, is it like is it a different skill set? that you use when you're doing the PA versus like a TV play-by-play? -play? Like how, how do you prepare differently? I don't. Um, I just, uh, I just literally came back from FedEx office as I'm running in the door where I just printed off all my, my stuff for the beginning of practice tomorrow. And wow, you, know, you still have to prepare for, for all of the drivers and, and, yeah. uh, and all of the situations that you, that you might face. Um, usage is different. So, um, you know, explaining the race to people that are sitting in the grandstands. Um, you're not tied to the pictures. Right. But you want to point their eyes to things. Yeah. So you're still watching this great big massive speedway. To some extent, you're dependent on the pictures that the director is providing you, both the television director and, you know, literally the 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 in-house production director. We have our own fleet of cameras and a crew and the whole thing. Um, the replays they're providing you, the you know the information that's coming in from timing and scoring, from race control. You're you're directing fans' attention to different things and providing them information that maybe they can't get on their own. So when when a when an incident's under review by the stewards, well, they may not know that. Right. You know. Yeah. We'll we'll tell them. You you also understand that. Um, um, there's a visual reaction too. So when you're watching on television at home, I can't see you. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. um, I can't see you. I'm, I'm guessing on what your reaction will be at a given moment, partly based off how I feel at a given moment, right. elated concern yeah. at the speedway. I can look out the window and I can see you. Yeah. You know, I can see when people are on their feet cheering. I can see when people are just kind of, you know, I, I can see. And so part of what you're doing is, is you're becoming um, a stage performer instead of a television performer. You're, you're, you're measuring your audience and, and partly gauging off of that. That's cool. I mean, and so you, you mentioned earlier uh, Roger Penske, you know, purchasing the Speedway and everything. And, and so what has your interactions with him? I know he's been very, very involved or just – you know, through seeing on, on different reports and everything. How, how have you been able to interact with him and what's his sort of day-to-day -day like there at the track? Is he, is he, is he breathing down your neck at all? <laughs> Haven't seen him. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, think about the operation. You're opening up a, yeah. uh, the, the biggest, you know, the, 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 the stadium that hosts the largest single day sporting event in the world. Yeah. And you're dealing with that in times of where we're just coming out of a pandemic. Right. And all of the layers of things that you're dealing with, um, you know, Mr. Penske's got a, got, um, a lot on his plate and naturally. So, um, I did see him a couple weeks ago at St. Petersburg, uh, briefly, but he's got a team he's put together. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works with, with Roger or really with any successful uh, business operator is you, you put together your team. 
Now, have I spoken to members of Roger's team who've taken their direction from him and tried to implement his vision in this whole project? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Do I expect I'll see him at some point in the next two weeks? Absolutely. But do I think his, you know, his fingers on the, the, the video switcher in the back room? Of course not. Right, know, right. He's, he's got God knows what he's dealing with at any given moment. By Besides, by the way, having a fleet of race cars entered in the race himself, the yeah. race that he loves to win more than any other. Yeah, a man with a, a lot of endeavors and uh, <laughs> a lot of things to play with. Well, I mean, that's cool. I mean, so I, I was, you know, thinking about like, okay, when I'm at an event, the, the PA guy, well, what do I think about the PA guy? And I think, well, I think great voice. And so obviously they're looking for someone with a great voice. So I, I want to look back in your life. When did you know you had a great voice? I still don't, you know, <laughs> I'm telling it, you right here. <laughs> it's, it's what I was born with. Yeah. You know, um, there's nothing I can do about it. It's uh, it is what it is. A lot of it is how you use your voice. And, and of that, I've spent a lot of time over the years, um, no formal training. I mean, I, I've never been to a voice coach or mm -hmm. take, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in paying attention and stealing from the best. Right. So from the time I can remember, I wanted to be the guy on the radio or television. And so what does that tell you? I spent a lot of time really paying attention to the people on the radio and on the television. Uh, greatly influenced by some of the great broadcasters that came out of New York City from where I grew up. You could, you know, AM radio was the thing back then. You could listen to all the New York stations, the Boston stations. You could hear stations at night that would come in from all over the country. You know, you spend time listening and making judgments. And especially as you get older and you get more experience, you know, when I sit down to watch a sporting event, it's, it's funny because um, I, I don't know how many years ago it was, but, but my wife and one of her sons was in the room uh, with us, maybe both of them. And they're talk, 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 talk. And I'm finally, I got up and I went in another room <laughs> and she came in and she looked and she said, you're watching the same thing we're watching. And I said, yeah. And she said, did we do something wrong? I said, I'm just, you guys have a conversation. I'm trying to listen to that conversation. Yeah. So when I watch Jim Nance do a golf tournament or a football game, or I watch, you know, Al Michaels or Mike Tirico or Bob Costas or Jim McKay years ago before your time, but one of my heroes, um, I'm paying attention. What are they doing? Why? Why are they doing that? And trying to understand that and learn from it and, and work on my craft. Um, my craft is performing for you. And you may not consider it a performance, but that's what it is. My craft is performing. So what are the right words? What's the right way to say them? When's the right time to say them? And all of those things is your craft that you develop and refine. And hopefully, if, if, you want, if, you're, if you're doing right by the people who are paying attention, you never stop your hunger to be better every day. So this voice I've got, it's the one I was born with. I have no control over it. I just try and make sure I use it in an effective way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll speak for myself and for the podcast. I think you definitely have. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that sort of the building of the craft and no formal training and really learning from guys that you admire. I appreciate that. I mean, we're, we're sort of 
trying to do that with this podcast, but, and so I, I was doing some research and am I correct in saying that you're kind of like the LeBron James of announcing that you pretty much were a professional announcer right out of high school? <laughs> um, yeah, I started in, um, uh, 10th grade, 10th grade. Um, I was very fortunate. My, my, my public high school in a small town in the smallest state had a teacher and, um, he was uh, an English teacher and his passion was broadcasting. He just didn't make his living at it, but he had served in uh, the armed forces and had served with armed forces radio. And in addition to teaching English at a public school during the week, he was a part-time disc jockey on weekends at radio shows on radio stations. And he shared his passion for that with students, uh, formed a radio club. And that radio club started by playing records to the cafeteria at lunchtime and turned into an actual FM radio station. Enter Allen huh. as that, that radio club becomes a radio station. So I started out as a sophomore in high school playing records as a disc jockey. And then, well, let's broadcast the high school football games. We figured out how to get some wires connected from the, the, the grandstand of the bleachers out behind the building into the building and from one end of the building to the other where the studio was and out the antenna on the top of the roof. And I started broadcasting high school football games. And then I started doing the basketball games and then the baseball games and um, was able to get a job at a local AM radio station part-time on the weekends and so on. And it just all went from there. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a long time and um, very fortunate. I, it's all I've ever wanted to do. And for the most part, it's all I've ever done. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's fast forward to present day from high school, you know, the, the big announcement coming out uh, that you're going to be the play-by-play -play person for the SRX series with, with CBS. I think, I mean, you and I sort of spoke a little bit a couple of weeks ago, just so much awesome reaction, excitement from that announcement. How, how has it been to see that kind of reaction from the racing world? It's fun. Won't deny it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's humbling. Um, I'm, I, I'm just a guy it's, you know, I mean, uh, over the years, I've been fortunate to, to, to land in some really great situations with a lot of really great teammates and be part of some really great teams. And if from that, the sound of my voice or my work, um, has made people happy or made them enjoy what they were watching, then um that's everything that's why you do it so um to get the kind of reaction that uh, that that got was was very like i said very humbling uh made me smile um it means all the uh, you know all the hard work wasn't for nothing over the years that, that somewhere along the way i gave somebody some enjoyment and uh and look forward to again yeah well like you said working on your craft and entertaining i mean certainly shows that you were you were doing hitting all the right notes there um all right, so who, who, nuts and bolts question. Like, who called and presented you this opportunity? What was it, Ray Evernham? Was it CBS? How did that come up? Come to be? So there's 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 a few different levels to that story. Uh, it's over two years ago wow. when my my good friend Ray Evernham pulled me aside at a function we were both attending and said, "I got this idea. Tell me what you think about it," and bounced the idea off me. Yeah. And I said, "That that sounds like a lot of fun." He said, "Stay tuned." <laughs> and he's kept in touch with me since uh, CBS is one of the partners 
in the whole project. Right. So they're not, they're not just televising it. They're one of the partners in the project. Um, I had a lot of people who were involved in setting this up, um, uh, suggesting me for the job, but it was CBS's decision. And um, eventually they called me and said, uh, we want you to do this. Goodbye me, I'm ready. <laughs> and, um, and we've assembled a great team, uh, some really great people involved. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's intense. Six weeks of primetime network television. You know, you got to deliver. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot going on right now to make sure we deliver. But I have complete confidence that when we set the headset down at the end of six weeks, um, we'll have made a lot of people happy uh, that have tuned in to watch. And if that's the case, then then we've done our job and and uh, and we'll sit back and, and wait to see what's next. So tell tell people that are really interested to, to start watching this, what excites you about SRX? Like what, what I mean, besides the obvious, but like what for Alan Bestwick is like, this is why you should tune in. Is it the racing? Is it the drivers? Well, I, I think I think it's everything. Yeah, because it's all a formula, right? Let's let's take the basics of the old IROC series. And think about what kind of held it back and get rid of that and think about what we can do to take it to the next level. So um, scheduling, trying to use currently active drivers seeking a championship in a major racing series made scheduling for the old IROC series a nightmare, right? right? Get rid of that. <laughs> let's, let's take some great guys who are some of the most popular racers ever who are still very competitive and in shape and ready to race. Let's bring them and let's do it instead of going to Daytona and Talladega um, and Michigan and those kind of places and having some of the concerns that that brings for their team owners, uh, conflicting sponsorships, that kind of thing. Let's bring this to some of the great short tracks in America yeah, where they can have fun. And let's build a car that takes all the things <laughs> that we'd like to undo about present day racing and undoes them. So these cars, what's going to make the biggest difference in these cars is the person operating the steering wheel and the pedals. Okay, perfect. And then you get, you know, all right, let's, let's look at who the driver lineup is. Okay, these fun group, right? Fun yeah. group. Yes. And everything you wanted to do that you couldn't do in a series that's that's compete, you know, let's just say, let's just say IndyCar or NASCAR. Hey, we'd like to put a camera there. Yeah, we really can't let you do that. You know? Yeah. A team owner or a, you know, I mean, well, we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. So we've been able to sit back and just open our imaginations up and say, what can we do that we've always wanted to do that'll be fun and new and different? And we've got a lot of those things lined up and ready to go. And, and, um, and we think you're going to enjoy them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm extremely excited when I, I, you know, I like how you mentioned IROC and sort of removing the, the things that didn't make IROC work. I mean, when I think about SRX, I think it's filling a void out there that I think a lot of people who are really in tune to NASCAR or IndyCar might be missing, which is, you know, a lot of those big names from NASCAR are retired and NASCAR sort of lacking that Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And it's sort of giving those guys a chance 
and you're going to short tracks, which everybody always talks about. We want more short track racing. And, you know, these guys still have the drive and talent to go out there and race. I, I just think it feels like this. It's like this perfect niche in there that fills a lot of voids for race fans. What do you think? I, I, I don't look at us as being competition yeah. to NASCAR or IndyCar. I look at us as having the opportunity to do two things. Engage some new people who maybe haven't been engaged in racing and re-engage some people who maybe used to be, but aren't engaged in racing yeah. right now. Um, we've got a chance to just go and have a good time on six Saturday nights in the summer. And it just so happens to be built around racing. And so, you know, we've got another t television network that's now involved in televising auto racing. Well, that, you know, that, that can only be good for the entire sport. Yeah. So um, it's an opportunity to, to engage or re-engage some people. And, um, you know, if we're able to do that using these big personalities and these little tracks and, you know, then, then maybe we're serving as a bit of an incubator for some of the thought process that's going forward in developing what, you know, the next generation of, uh, of racing might look like. Yeah. You said it much more eloquently than I did. So <laughs> I don't know about that, but, but I, I, th I think it came out right. Yeah, it, no, it definitely did. I, <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page. Uh, all right. So you mentioned the great team that you've got uh, assembled there with you, uh, you know, helping, helping present this uh, series. Were you involved in, in helping to pick those people around you? It's, I mean, such a great lineup, and I know you've worked and know so many of those people already. I mean, how, how did that come out? Uh, nope. I was told who they were. <laughs> right. Well, you must and, have been happy, at least. <laughs> uh, and, and okay, here's, here's what we're, we're, we're going to have a host. Okay. We're going to have a pit reporter. Yep. And we're probably going to have, like, a, just a roaming, you know, go have fun person. Yeah. Okay. Who you got in mind? Lindsay. Oh, perfect. Love Lindsay, worked with her before. Great, great talent, great, yep. um, uh, great friend, good, you know, just every Matt, okay, perfect, you know, and Big Brad. Oh, well, if that's your energy role and, and go go and be fun, couldn't pick the go enter, go, go places and be fun more guy than than Brad. So uh, the producer is Pam Miller. She's been involved in um, televising NASCAR races, uh, uh, all kinds of, I, I think I first worked with Pam like in the mid nineties hmm. and she's heavily involved in the Fox yeah. uh, television broadcast now, but um, great producer, uh, working hard to, to make all this work. We've got, um, you know, as the names of some of the technical people that they've hired have dripped out to me, it's only built my confidence because they've gone and gotten a real all-star crew of uh, this combination of, really great people from CBS to really great people that have worked in auto racing television for years and know what they're doing. And um, so all of it, I had no say in any of it and I'm thrilled with the outcome of all of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, we, uh, we're, you know, we're from the sort of Northern Virginia DC area. So Lindsay Zarniak is, you know, yep. from around here and, and hometowner. Yeah, exactly. So we're, yeah. I, I saw that one and I was, you know, along with you and like you said, Brad Doherty, Matt Yoakum, I was like, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun on Saturday nights. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's the object. That's the key word. Right. Uh, and, and I have this philosophy that I carry with me every place I go, which is people can't have fun watching television if you're not having fun making television. 
we're going to have a lot of fun making television. <laughs> and um, and it, I don't think it'll be hard either. Yeah, cool. All right, well, let's let's move on a little bit here. I want to get your thoughts on a sort of pandemic-related question and, and broadcasting your role. How do you, you know, think you would have handled those race calling the races from from a remote broadcast like they had to do last year during the pandemic for NASCAR. I mean, can viewers really appreciate maybe how difficult that was? How did you sort of see that play out? I I don't think viewers can appreciate how difficult that was. Um, But you will hear nothing but admiration from me um, for the broadcasters on a number of levels. First of all, the technical feat to make all that happen it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, I've done other sports that way. I mean, I've done college basketball games sitting in a, a voiceover booth at Disney's wide world of sports. Yeah. You know, when the game was coming from Tulsa or um, TCU or someplace, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, there are small details that you can't see and you just can't see them. And, um, and then there's, there's a few things you lose at the same time. If you don't know that you're missing them, then I've done my job. Yeah. Don't dwell on what what you, you know. I'm not going to sit there and tell you you don't know. I'm not going to sit there and tell you, yeah, I'm supposed to have a camera that lets me see the, the, the scoreboard at all times, and that camera went down, so yeah. I really can't see the scoreboard. But, you know, I'm keeping track on my sheet of paper here in front of me, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got the score right. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know the difference, then I've done my job. Yeah. So, and I, that, that's part of it. Um, so, yeah, big, big undertaking, technically, big undertaking um, for the announce crew. I wouldn't want to have to do it permanently that way because a lot of the business is relationships. You know, the, uh, the ability to go in that, in that garage area or paddock depending on your terminology mm-hmm. and walk around the morning of the race and talk to people, find out what's going on. You'd be amazed how much you find out what's going on yeah, and how much it informs your perspective on things you see happen during the race. Wouldn't want to do that permanently, but look, it was a pandemic. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, that method of television production will be the norm versus the exception going forward. Uh, However, I think there'll be an understanding that there's certain elements of it that need to be adapted to. So for example, when ESPN first started doing that, they started doing it with college basketball and college football and they called it Remy, which (laughs) R-E-M-I, which stands for remote something, something, you know. Right. And the first wave of it was you were in a studio. And they sent a a little crew to the arena with like four cameras and they set it up and, you know, that's what you got. (laughs) Sit sit down in that voiceover booth at Wide World of Sports and put your headset on with your your partner next to you and broadcast the game. And you had a, a little brief phone call with the coach earlier in the day. That was what you got. Then they evolved to another model of it where you and the play-by-play guy were at the arena. Producer, director, tape, graphics, they were back in a studio in Connecticut or in Charlotte or wherever, Uh, but the announcers were still at the arena. 
I think that's kind of the, the hybrid model where a lot of it's going to go. Um, there's a big money savings to rolling that smaller truck into the racetrack and traveling fewer people to the racetrack and, and, you know, being able to do a lot of that out of a permanent facility. Um, there's, there's significant money savings in that. Yeah. I, I hope for the future that that hybrid model of the announcers being on site will, will continue to develop because I think it's important for the information, for the relationships, for, um, for doing that going forward. And, uh, and, and we'll see, but all props to Mike and Rick and, and everybody on their teams with Fox and NBC for doing a first rate job under very difficult circumstances. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, I love, I love your perspective there and sort of, insight into how the industry is going to evolve. I mean, you're right. It, it, it's sort of the ability to, to feel like they're there without being there. And I think, yeah, every, everyone and through, throughout all the sports, I felt like I watched over the pandemic uh, really did a good job of doing that. So, all right, well, we're winding down here, Alan, but you know, I can't let you leave without talking some NASCAR. So I, I got to ask, are, are you keeping up with it? Yeah, as, as, as best I can from not having been to, a cup race in a year. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends in the sport still that I keep in touch with. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think the racing has been terrific. Um, I think when they get this next gen car rolled out next year, it's nothing but good. Everything I've seen from the car, everybody I've talked to the thought process that went into the car, what a, a what a wonderful job by NASCAR and the teams and the manufacturers to develop this product that will accomplish the goal of updating the race car in a significant way, reducing the cost of the fleet needed to operate for the season and the car itself uh, after the initial investment and put on a better race. I think it's going to be fabulous and, and um, nothing but excited to see, to see those, those cars roll out next year. Yeah, I agree. A lot of excitement for that. A lot of, a lot of good things happening in, in motorsports and racing, I think through all, you know, series and levels and new series like SRX. So it is a lot of, a lot of good things to come. Um, all right. On YouTube, there is a video titled top 15 Allen Bestwick calls of all time. Are you serious? Yes. It's got 25,000 views. Oh my this goodness. Two part question. <laughs> Number one is, are you one of those 25,000 views? Obviously not. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> okay. And B is, can you guess what race the number one Alan Bestwick call? Oh, that's on? easy. Yeah. That, that's an easy one. Um, look, uh, magical night, magical circumstances. Um, lucky enough to, to strike on some words that, uh, that, that summed up the moment. Uh, and... Um, and it lived. Um, that night was special for me for a lot of other reasons uh, that that um, were important to my life and, and my career. But you know, look, that's that that's the job. Yeah. You know, what are the words? When do you say them? How do you say them? And uh, at least that once, I got it right. <laughs> well, I actually, it's funny you say it because I heard Jim Nance, and and for those 
people listening, we're talking about the 2001 Pepsi 400. I heard Jim Nance in an interview one time. Someone asked him, like, well, how did, did you come up with that saying after Tiger Woods won the 1997 Masters, you know, a win for the ages? And he said, you know, that one was kind of planned because Tiger was winning by so many strokes that weekend. I mean, how was that? Was your call there with Dale Jr., you know, taking the checkered flag, you know, learning lessons from his father? Like, was that planned or was it just organic? It's just in the moment. It's a thought that hit me. So you have to go back. The story takes a minute to tell. You have to go back to his dad's last win at Talladega. Yep, 2000. Yep. Doing the race on radio. And you're looking out from the radio booth across to the banking of turns three and four. And like every lap they came through there, there was that black car passing two or three cars, it felt like. Right. Inside, outside, whatever it was. Now you go toward the end of the race in Daytona. And at one point, Dale Jr. got set back in traffic. And you're standing there in the booth at Daytona. And you're looking across at turns three and four. And it felt like... Two or three times he came through that corner and he went around somebody, under somebody, you know, whatever. And I just, at some point, the thought hit me, looked just like his old man, yeah. literally. That thought flashed in my mind, but, you know, there's a thousand things a second going on in the TV broadcast. And so you just, you know, you move on. Um, and then as we got toward the end, um, that thought just kind of stuck somewhere in the back of my brain that uh, looked just like his old man. But I had to say it a little more eloquently than that. <laughs> Well, you so, did that. That was, you know, I will, I will always remember where I was watching that race. I always remember that call. Um, so that was a special one and, and appreciate you creating those memories for so many fans. That, that was really cool. Um, all right. Do you know number two on the list? Nope. <laughs> number two on the list. And this is, you know, whoever made the videos bias, but Ward Burton's Daytona 500 win. Sure. Important day for NASCAR. Yeah. That's what I remember that for. That was the day of the 2002 Torino Olympics. Right. Okay. Yeah. So part of the whole structure of NBC and Fox alternating the Daytona 500 in those years was NBC had the 500 during Olympic years. Right. So that day, and then this tells you how smart some network television people are, right? That day they scheduled the bobsled final from Torino in what would be the more, the afternoon Italy time, but the morning U S time. So we had Jeff Bodine, <laughs> at the Speedway in Daytona with one of the Bodine sleds cutting, <laughs> doing cut-ins to the broadcast back in Torino of the men's final, of, right. the, of the bobsled final. And um, um, then we did the 500 at noon. And when the 500 finished, we went to the women's figure skating final, which is one of the, if not the most watched event in a Winter Olympics. Yeah. Well, that race did a massive rating yeah that 500 a massive rating and so if there's a lot of people remembered it's because that was if not the most one of the most watched nascar races ever yeah yeah that's a good point i forgot about all that uh, that the olympics and all that that's so you cool. remember it, you remember it for the race right i remember it for all of those kind of things that went into making the day happen well, yeah, no, and that's why I like talking to you about it. I, I like remembering and sort of bringing me back to that spot. I mean, so another reason we love that race on this show is because we're from Virginia. So the Burtons, you know, especially Ward yep. are, are, are big, you know, <laughs> we're big fans of theirs. You, do you have any good Ward memories or stories? <sighs> Ward was up, Ward's, first of all, he's a great race driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ward was always fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Because his heart was not just in here, but it was here on his sleeve too. You always knew 
you were getting the straight shot from Ward. Whatever he was thinking about, you were going to hear. Yeah. And um, and gosh, what was the race? Was it the race at Bristol where he 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 got out and he threw um, the the heel cups off yeah. his off his shoes at uh, was that a junior he threw? Oh, yeah, it was Dale Junior. Yeah. And then the interview after that. Um, <laughs> was a was a classic ward moment where he told you exactly what he was feeling thinking yeah. and uh you know made you giggle made you chuckle uh good man really good man and um always enjoy my time uh, uh talking to and being around ward yep all right alan we're gonna we're gonna end it here i got six rapid fire questions and then we'll get you out of here all right so those are always the ones that get you in trouble but go ahead <laughs> now these are very very tame questions all right favorite driver growing up Without the last name, Bestwick. Bug Stevens, great modified driver from wow. uh, Eastern Massachusetts. Cool. All right. Favorite sport outside of racing to call, to broadcast? To broadcast, whatever's next. All right. Cool. Favorite track to broadcast a race for, for NASCAR? Oof. That's a hard one because they're all special and they're all different. Yeah. Um, they're all unique and that it's it was it's part of the fun of the whole thing but daytona yeah it's daytona it's daytona uh, I, I i i lived there for a long time my kids grew up there um daytona cool favorite college football stadium to call a game from texas a&m okay all right we went to virginia tech so <laughs> i never did a game at virginia tech i did yeah. games in, in in at virginia yep um, but I never did a game at Virginia. I had Virginia Tech on the road somewhere, but I never did a game in Blacksburg. Okay. Well, we'll have to get you there. Maybe as a fan. <laughs> never know. Yeah. Um, all right. The track you're most looking forward to going to for SRX. Slinger. Okay. Because it's the only one of those I haven't been to. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to all the others. Because they're going to, you know, because I love them. Stafford's where I grew up. One of the yeah. places I grew up at. One of the places where Bug Stevens has won more races than any other driver. Cool. But uh, I've never been to Slinger, and I can't wait. Cool, cool. All right, I know. I feel like I know the answer to this one, but Indy 500 or, or Daytona 500? Yes. <laughs> That's not the answer I was expecting, but I'll take it. <laughs> yes. So fortunate to, to be privileged to work at both. Okay. Uh, last and most important question. Uh, gas and go or fuel only? Oh, I, since your show is named gas and go, I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> um, but I would say to you, that's a NASCAR or IndyCar answer. There you go. There you go. Is it a transporter or is it a hauler? Ah, is it a okay. Or is it a garage? Okay. Is it understeer or is it loose? Yeah. Yeah. Tight rather. <laughs> <laughs> all right alan well again thank you so much for the time i mean you're just insight and knowledge everything about racing is just so valuable and, and so awesome for guys like us to to listen to so really want to thank you we'll be tuned into the indy 500 we'll be tuned into the srx all summer and, and good luck with everything very good pleasure thanks guys have a great night final lap of the pepsi 400 michael walter in second but it's going to be dale earnhardt jr using lessons learned from his father to go from six to All right, we really hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Alan Bestwick. Uh, just like I, I can't say it again, just awesome time with him. And uh, really looking forward to hearing him on the calls this summer with SRX. I'll definitely be tuning in. I'm sure a lot of people will as well. 
Um, that being said, let's move on into stage two and get the latest in NASCAR with our Gassigo News correspondent, Ryan. Rhino, over to you. Thanks, Garrett. I'm Rhino, and this is your Stage 2 Gasco News. Roush Fenway Racing is launching a fan token on Socios.com. Dylan first was getting the hot dog car in Rocket League, and now Crypto. Where does it end? <laughs> no, I mean, NASCAR is making good moves to raise fan engagement, and I think that that's important. And so this isn't really a crypto coin. It's literally just a fan engagement strategy, but I hope it works. They just got to do a better job of actually reaching the people that's where they struggle it was reported this week that the 2022 next gen car will not be as cost effective in the first year as previously reported connor do you think this is just posturing from these nascar teams or legit concerns i don't think it's legit concerns and like they said it's it's not going to be perfect its first year i'm I'm still excited for the next gen car and it it will be able to bring in, you know, lesser teams up to a more even playing field. Maybe maybe that's five years down the road, but that's all right with me. A lot of new faces are making multiple appearances in the lower series at Coda, including Paul Menard in the trucks, Harvick Reddick and Austin Dillon in Xfinity. Dave, what has caught your eye the most? Well, I mean, any chance for my boy Kevin Harvick to get a l- extra extra laps on a road course, I'll take. He's not exactly a road course specialist. He's, he's made a Hall of Fame career of turning left. But clearly, that's, it, this is a practice grab. NBC Sports reported that two current car owners are open to dealing their charters over the offseason. Garrett, unfortunately for John Wood, charters do matter. Why do you think the interest is starting to peak a little bit here? I think just the overall exposure NASCAR's had over the last year is good for the sport. I mean, you've had a lot of uh, high-profile guys like Michael Jordan and Pitbull come in, and that raises the interest for other guys who have a lot of money and, and teams like you know Junior Motorsports and Colleague who have done really well in the Xfinity Series to take a chance at the next level. So I'm excited. I think they should maybe consider uh, upping the amount of charters that are in NASCAR. So uh, that's my take there. I mean, we used to run 43 cars on the track. I know this, you know, sometimes this year and in past years it's down to 37, but if there's enough cars willing to pay for the whole year let's get them in there more competition the better and some late breaking news all right all right all right future governor matthew mcconaughey is the grand marshal for sunday's coda race dylan your fast thoughts love it i mean the chance to see him live given a start your engines is gonna be even better and that is your stage two gas and go news i'm rhino garrett back to you all right thanks ryan for that rundown so real quick where is turn 12 in relation to the start-finish line that Matthew McConaughey will be at? Will you guys be able to binocular it, or is this, this, no is this just... <laughs> You'll be able to see him closer from your uh, your home base in Virginia there than uh, than me and Dylan will. But, but we'll be in the same uh, vicinity as uh, the great Matthew McConaughey, so that's really worth every penny that we're spending. There you, you go. guys think I he drops a catchphrase, or does he just jump straight into it? Straight into it. I don't know. I hope for a catchphrase. Oh, he's yeah. going catchphrase. If Pipple went catchphrase, he's going catchphrase. Dallas. He's going all right, all right, all right. This That's is what like I'm a, hoping. He's going like a Texas Longhorns pregame speech. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan and Ryan, a quick question. Over or under three times you eat barbecue down in Texas? Probably over. If you count like each different thing across different meals. There's only so many meals you can have, but yeah. yeah, yeah, the over is a safe bet. The over is a safe bet. Every single one. Yeah. 
You better bring me bring me back some brisket. I don't care if it's cold and old. <laughs> Texas right next brisket. to the bush beans. <laughs> <laughs> um right we got five good seconds this week or no we do not and there's already some uh troubles for next week because there is a race but i will be at coda there's gonna be hockey we're gonna be all over the place all right love it love it i'm looking out for that back to back weeks no good five set five good seconds all right um all right let's keep it going here and uh just hop right into stage three but dave first give us the latest of the race in usa Thanks, Garrett, and thanks to Racing USA, because, of course, this Gas Go podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise. RacingUSA.com has a wide assortment of driver diecast, apparel, hats, helmets, novelties, and collectibles for the sport's most popular drivers. For example, RacingUSA.com currently has more than 500 different collectible diecast cars for 39 different drivers, including this weekend's Dover winner, the number 48 Ally Camaro of Alex Bowman. RacingUSA.com is truly unique. Items in your cart are automatically discounted. You can upgrade your orders to expedited shipping at no additional cost. You're guaranteed the lowest pre-order prices. In-stock orders are shipped the next business day. You can select from a wide assortment of the newest, officially licensed diecast apparel, hats, helmets, novelties, and collectibles for the sport's most popular drivers, many of whom are exclusive to RacingUSA.com. Benefit from others' experiences because RacingUSA.com is rated 4.8 out of 5 on Google the highest of any store selling NASCAR merchandise. You're doing business with an independently owned company that stood the test of time for more than 20 years. Of course, visit RacingUSA.com to win this month's $200 gift card. Whenever you want something new to show your support for your favorite driver, shop RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise for more than 20 years. Remember to tell them the Gas and Go Boys sent you. Back to you, Garrett. All right, thanks, Dave. Back to the good stuff. DW fired up. All right, stage three. We're talking about the race here, um, and I don't think there's a lot to talk about, but we're going to start it off with two truths and a lie like we always do. Fact number one, boys, Alex Bowman wins at the Monster Mile, becoming the second driver to win more than one race this year. Fact number two, Hendrick Motorsports goes one, two, three, four, with each driver except Chase Elliott leading a lap as well. And fact number three, Denny Hamlin finishes seventh, growing his lead in the standings between him and second place Martin Truex Jr. to over 100, even though he hasn't won. Come on, those are good. Good facts there. Yep, those are some good facts. Those are solid. races this year? No. I know this one, but I'll, uh, it was good. It was solid. Well done. You know this one already, Dave? Yeah. I have a guess. I think I think it's a little nugget there in two because I don't think that Byron led a lap. Am, am I correct in I think that? It was Elliot. He said Elliot didn't. Lead. I know, but he said only Elliot didn't lead a lap. I think Byron also didn't lead a lap. He led a man. Lap Byron is the key to what is wrong, but in clue number three, because William Byron is second in the point standings. Follow, follow, Dave. follow Dave here. I'm going with number three. Oh, all right. All right. I'm going I'll go number two just for coverage, just in case. Thank you. <laughs> Dave sniffed that thing out like a crime dog, man. Oh, How, how'd you know, Dave? You've been cruising the playoff standings? <laughs> like I said, man, I do a little bit of show prep every week. I don't know if it shows in my, in my performance, but I do do a little bit of homework. How is Truex not second? I mean, I guess Byron's had a pretty incredible year. The uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just consistency. Yeah. 
Oh, consistency. I mean, Danny Hamlin hasn't won at all, and he's first by over by a mile. Points. Yeah, crazy. It's also yeah. like Chase. A, a couple Chase points. didn't lead a lap. The other three did. Just a couple points separate second and third, I think, but doesn't yeah, matter. Literally one point. So, yep. All right. Good job, Dave. The rest of you got to step it up. Dave's bringing his A game now <laughs> to two truths and a lie. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, the winner real quick. Alex Bowman, uh, second win of the year. You know that team. Looked really good. Another another guy that's on a roll this year. Um, but I think the story of this one wasn't Alex Bowman. It was the number 48 pit crew. And on this podcast, when we can pay homage to the pit crew, we do. I want to bring in Alex Bowman here in the post-race press conference um, when he was asked about if that burnout at the end uh, was for the pit crew. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, if we don't beat the five off pit road, we probably don't, don't beat them in the race. So, um, you know, I, I give them all the credit for, for the win there. I think without them, we wouldn't have gotten it done. So I appreciate Greg and, and all those guys working so hard throughout the week to continue to, to get better. Um, and, and they've been super fast all year. So it's cool to win a race that you can really point back to them and say, say there who got it done. And, um, it was cool to be able to do that. I feel like other guys do that all the time. Their pit crews come to the wall and I go to do burnouts and, I can't even see any of my guys. So I yelled at him. I'm like, you guys got to come to the wall. So it was really cool to to get to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, boys. Alex Bowman goes up in my book after uh, that one, after that quote, after, you know, everything he's had to say about the pit crew um, and giving really, really big props to to them on what they pulled off to get that 48 in victory lane. Uh, As was mentioned on the broadcast several times, it was the fastest pit stop of the year. The last one that put him in the lead that got him out ahead of Larson. Um, You know, he still had to wheel it and get off, get ahead of Larson in the uh, restart, but without the chance to do it, he couldn't have done it. So got to give props to, to our guys there and pit road. So I'm going to ask you guys, who was the MVP of that stop? Well, come on, buddy. One of our good friends always told us that the Jackman's the captain of the pit crew. So I think it's easy choice. He's leading those guys really well right now. That Jackman has him running. Uh, but no, it was cool to see that. And happy for the crew chief, too. And, and behind every good pit crew, there's a really smart guy who knows how to work Excel and he puts the guys in the right position. That's the real winner in all of this, right next to the guy who did the logo uh, test for Nielsen. Those two people were the MVPs of the weekend and coming home with the most amount of money. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of analytics that went into that. The gas man, I feel like you're biting your tongue. Well, I mean, look, obviously the gas man had to get it in, had to get it out, and, and, and that is the key to a fast stop. But, I mean, I got to give a, cr- a lot of credit, like you said, to Bowman. Not for his driving, but for his willingness and, and quickness to admit, hey, man, this is their win, not mine. Um, and I think that shows leadership that shows maturity behind his, beyond his years. Like I have no interest in being an Alex Bowman fan, but I find myself liking, like you said, the things he says, the things he does. Yeah. He's kind of um, an interesting dude. Like he he's very quiet. I think he's, he's said in a couple interviews that I've heard, you know, he's an introvert and doesn't really like sort of, you know, the press conference interview style, you know, sort of get, makes him nervous, gets a little bit of anxiety, but um he, yeah, man, he's, he's coming into his own. He's going to get that huge contract extension with Hendrick and uh, be set in that number 48 and make his own legacy there for, uh, for years to come. So yeah, happy for him on, in, in that regard. Yeah. I mean, after his first win this season, I said it was one that Johnson would be proud of, right? He kind of bided his time. He took advantage. And this is just another one of those. He ran where the car was letting him. His crew gave him a lead. He stuck with it. Um, yeah. 
a lot of respect for that. And Jimmy Johnson would have been proud because it was at Dover, a track that he dominated for, gosh, his whole career, really. Yeah, however long that was. Do you think it's a smart move long-term to keep Bowman in the 48? you think that's a good good decision? There's no one else in a Chevy camp, maybe in a eight car, that might be a better Chevy driver for that spot? I mean, I, I see what you're saying there, but like, there's a lot of things to consider there, right? It's like, I mean, Tyler Reddick, yeah, probably, is that who you're saying, Ryan? Tyler yeah, Reddick. I think I think Reddick's a better wheel man, but I don't know if Reddick converts that for the win. Like we see Reddick a lot have a ton of speed, and he had a great race here. But yeah. He doesn't always convert those into wins. He, he sometimes throws them away. Yeah, so I think that's... Bowman's a great number three, number four driver for Hendrick, and you still have that top line performance out of Larson, and then hopefully Elliott. But Bowman's a perfect number three, number four guy you want there. Yeah, I mean Reddick is is a little bit more reckless. I think I think you know, Reddick could have a top 10 car and he could finish fifth or 25th. And if Alex Bowman has a top 10 car, he's going to finish seventh or 12th. You know, he's, he's much more able to, to get what he can out of the equipment. Plus there's a big, big factor in the number 48 and that's ally. And I think ally loves them. Some Alex Bowman, um, especially after two wins already this year. Yeah. I mean, Rick Hendrick has exactly who he wants in that race car. He was he, he he knew what he was doing. He continues to make smart moves just like Joe Gibbs does. And man, is it harsh to say he's the third or fourth best driver? Harsh but true, right? At Hendrick when he's already got two wins this year. Pretty good company to keep. Yep. Who would have thought at this point, not Dill, that the uh, only driver without a win at Hendrick would be <laughs> Jason. My real prediction was just that the Hendricks Motorsports team was gonna get ten wins. You guys didn't hear me right when I was saying it actually. Got it. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to probably get 10 wins. I, I mean, finishing one, two, three, four is an incredible accomplishment. Crazy. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised that was the first time that they've done that, just considering, you know, some of the lineups they've had and some of the cars they've had. I was also a little bit surprised, and I think I brought this up last week, that the last team to do this was Roush. Uh, I don't think it was Roush Fenway back then, but Roush Racing back in like 2005, which, which I mentioned last week, it'd be nice to get Roush back to those days when they were really competing. And which wasn't even that long ago. It wasn't no. like 1984. It was, it was only a short 15 years ago when they were running out there with four or five cars every week. Yeah. It's crazy. The, like the drop-off that's happened over there. Um, all right. Well, you know, I think that's pretty much exhausts the race there. I, you know, other than that, it was just sort of kind of boring and just logging a lot of laps. Larson again, leading on a ton of laps, and not getting a win. We'll see if he converts some of those later on in the year. I want to ask you guys this. We're halfway through the regular season before the, the, the playoffs start. So I'm going to give you four guys. Two are above, two are below the playoff cutoff line. So you're going to tell me who's in and who's out. Um, we'll, we'll just sort of go around the horn here. Chris Boucher. Is he in or out when it all comes down to it? Out. 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 In. Oh, we got one in. <laughs> Tyler Reddick. In with a win. Out. Oh, come in. on. He'll sneak Out. one in. I have him in my prediction of winning a race this year, so in. All right. Matty D. Out. Out. Might not even Out. finish the season. <laughs> Man, I, hate to I say wanna, that. I want to put him in. <laughs> but I can't have everyone in, can I? In. Why not? And, all right. Last guy who's currently out, Kurt Busch. Ooh, it's the out. premier Bush brother. I got him Big in. Time in. Oh, wow. I, I want him in. I don't see it. Yeah. His well, eyes on Charmant. It's going to be interesting because, you know, there's going to be some more wins out there. And, you know, 
Reddick. You got to think the 11, the nine, the four, they're coming for a few of those wins at this point. You would think. Well, what about you crew chief? I mean, who, who we got in, who we got out Busher, uh, Bush, uh, Reddick. I like yeah. Reddick. God, I want to say Busher, but I just don't, I can't have confidence in Roush Fenway. And, but uh, so I want to say Matty D cause they've had, I think they get it together. So I'll say Reddick and Matty D. Ganassi just looks off right now. I, I don't know what's going on over there. To Maybe. be fair, there's really only three teams that look on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, RCR's been doing well with you know their yeah. stuff, but you know, they're, yeah, they're not they're not on on like the like the big dogs. Yeah, Kurt um, Busch was right. having a good day, but he just got cycled out in that last uh, last pit stop. Yeah, that's true. And at what point will Daniel Suarez stop being underrated? Like at some point, he has to be properly rated. He's always he's running in the top old. ten. That, I like. And I like. Still Suarez, never talked man. about. No, he's always talked about. He's never. only talked about. <laughs> Put him in the Garrett's notables. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. Speaking of the notables, I only got one this week because I felt like there was a lot of shuffling there, and the, the race got boring. So they were talking about a lot of guys, but I didn't hear anyone, and maybe I was wrong, talk about this guy, Mr. Stone Cole himself. Cole Custer <laughs> finishes tenth. Big time. That's our guy right there. Top ten. Yeah. His first one this year. Got to be right. No, I think, think so. had, I think he had a top 10 at uh, maybe he had another one. I don't know. I'll, somebody can fact check me on that, but I feel like I, I, he had another top 10 this year. Speaking of Cole Custer, though, we got to get him on the podcast. It's enough enough waffling around that we got to get that invite out. If we do that, can we all, when he comes on camera, be uh, licking a custard cone, like an ice cream <laughs> custard cone? Just those, not mention it at all. Just like I'll just put it down and go into it. I'm going to have six cold beers here that I'm going to have all <laughs> open to smash and chug before I ask every single question. Yeah, I was thinking of the uh, doing the Stone Cold Steve Austin, like Stone Cold. Uh, okay, that works too. Works. <laughs> could wear a, or maybe we could wear a all, colonel uniform. We all should do something different. He's got so many nicknames yeah. and things. To I think that's the move when we have him guess each of his different <laughs> nicknames based on our outfit and props. Everyone just subtly call him a different nickname throughout the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to make that happen. Cole, we're coming after you. That's we're putting it out there. That's going to uh, be a all, right. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get uh, into predictions. Let's close it out here and get into some predictions for next week. Coda, we're going to go same order because uh, that's how we're going to do it from now. Ryan, in person, who's going to win at Coda? College Racing will find Victory Lane with AJ Allmendinger. Whoa, that's a that's an aggressive, spicy pick. I like it. Dave, he should have won the Daytona Road Course race, so he's, he's gonna course. he's gonna bring this one in. Of course, Dill? had to get a should have won in there. <laughs> Dill, um, since I'll be there, since I still need a win out of him, I'm gonna take the easy route here and go with Chase Elliott. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, Connor, I'm gonna take Chase Elliott two and to beat dylan in a tiebreaker i'm taking boris said in the xfinity if whoa connor's, connor's getting double picks here huh <laughs> <laughs> only he gets a tiebreaker you make your own tiebreaker Dill. <laughs> all right i'll take hemrick okay dave kyle bush surprise to no one <laughs> um all right i'm this guy's got to win at some point it's gonna be denny hamlin so Ooh. might as well make it texas Dill. We're going to close it out with you. Anything cool you saw on social media this week? We got a good little roundup here. Um, you 
got right into that first one with Denny Hamlin. He just released a YouTube video yesterday on doing an unboxing of a one of one first official Air Jordan Racer One race boots, and they're actually pretty sweet. They're FedEx colored, got the giant Jumpman logo on the side. I mean, they're Jumpman, you know, Air Jordan One like logo design, everything shoe design. So very cool. Denny Hamlin just continues to benefit out of that relationship. Um, kind of a little cleanup here from the Darlington race. There was an unannounced throwback actually run by JJ Yeely's Fat Boy. And it was just really released yesterday, the last two days, about who it was a throwback to. And it was a throwback to an old Greg Biffle 3M red, white, and blue car with a giant eagle on the side. And, it, like, they didn't announce it at all. They did no press around it at all. J.J. Yeely just happened to say it in an interview, like, two days ago, and that's how people found out about it. But Hold uh, the phone there, Dylan. Yeah. My favorite company in Fat Boy did a throwback to my favorite driver yep. in Craig Biffle, and I didn't know about this. You heard that right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was epic. Um, a couple more things here. Um, continuing in the COVID line, Talladega Speedway is going to allow you to actually drive around the track if you get a COVID vaccination there, which – Kind of seems worth it just to drive around the track. Um, and then there was a little deep dive into some stats as Daniel Hemrick got his 50th career top five in the combination of uh, both Xfinity and truck. And just like a how is this possible even stat, 50 top fives, and unfortunately still doesn't have a win. We know he's trying there. But the next highest person without a win for top fives is 20 top fives. He has 30 more top fives than the, than the second closest person uh, without a win. Just kind of crazy. Um, and then to finish us all out, kind of in the teamwork sense here, Hendrick Motorsports had a pretty good tweet with all four cars parked out front of their facility. And they got the whole team of like all the staff involved at Hendrick Motorsports out in the parking lot. Did a giant group picture for a nice little full teamwork. Everyone's involved kind of picture to round out the huge weekend for them. So nice to see them get everybody involved for that nice nice indeed all right well thanks dale appreciate you uh updating us on everything going on in social media um and that's it that's all we got for this week boys um we will be back next week to get the full rundown of coda how it was in person from our analytics and jackman who will be there stay tuned on how to uh get in touch with them uh you know where they'll be turn 12 row 15 saturday row 16 sunday <laughs> find them and i don't know maybe we'll send them down with some giveaways or something but in the meantime uh, keep grinding we'll keep grinding alongside of you and we'll see you next week